One of the things that we've learned down through the years is we've had the, uh, uh, the privilege of, and for a long time, you know, I was youth pastor here and, and working with the kids, and, and I'm sure we made a lot of mistakes, but one of the things we tried to do is we tried to help people just understand that they could trust us. We were trying to build that sort of a relationship. Uh, so that that they trusted us. And, and God used that in many ways. They would come and they would talk to us about things and we were able to build into their lives different things. Um, but there was one time that it, it wasn't quite so good. This is what not to do. I, we were doing a thing uh, one Friday night. It was called a fear factor. I don't know if you remember the old TV program where you did all sorts of crazy things and the kids were going to be in different teams and everything like that. And one of the items of the fear factor, don't do this at home, was they were going to, if you've been into, into our gym, and there is a balcony up there. They were going to get up on the balcony and walk the full distance of that balcony. Now, that balcony is about, I suppose, 14, 15 feet off the ground. Now, you're already saying, Jim, you're, you're crazy. That may be true, but I'm a little smarter than that. We had some rope set up so that the person who was having to do that was on a safety belay. Okay, so get the picture here. I'm working it. I've got the ropes tied. I've got everything ready. And I need somebody to test it out. And here is Mike Candy. Mike was still in high school at the time. But Mike trusted me. And I said, Mike, how about you get up there? And we put the safety belt on and everything. You get up there and just jump off. We're going to test it. (laughs) And Mike did. So he gets up there, everything's on. I said, okay, ready, jump, and I'm ready to catch him. And he jumps off and whap, he hits the ground pretty quickly, pretty hard. And I'm standing there with my mouth wide open. He's standing there looking at me like, what did you just do to me? And uh, I said, I don't know what happened. These ropes, it was supposed to be a static rope, no stretch. So I got back up there and I retightened the ropes and everything. I got them tighter and tighter. And I said, Mike, would you do it again? <laughs> and to Mike's credit, he did. He got back up there. He, he trusted me. He got back up there and he jumped off. And this time, uh, it was still way too fast. And again, he looks at me. I know he hurt his foot. I, I, uh, so I I tightened it once more as much as I could. I didn't know what was going on. And, and believe it or not, for the third time, I said, Mike, you want to try it once more? And he did. And he got up there. And this time, I think he was a little more fearful. I was a little more set. I got all the slack out of the rope I could. And he jumped and uh, safely down like it was supposed to be. But I don't know if Mike trusted me for a long time after that. You know, trusting, building relationships is built on trust. And and trust really makes the relationship go forward. And when you hinder that trust, it's hard to build that relationship, isn't it? I mean, you've seen it, and I've talked about it before, and you've done it. I remember when our kids were little, we would take them, or I would take them and put them up on the refrigerator. And up on the refrigerator, they'd be sitting there, not standing, sitting on the top of the refrigerator, and then I would have them jump to my hands. Now, you're thinking already, yeah, we see what he did with Mike, what he do with his kids. I, I, I will tell you, I caught them every time. There was a trust there. 
You've seen it. You've probably done it. You know, your kids or maybe your grandkids are at the edge of a pool and they're not too sure about the water and they're standing on the edge and, and, and you're saying, go ahead, jump, it's okay. I'll catch you. Building trust so that you can build relationship. I mean, that's what we want to talk about here. And what we want to say here is, is and we're looking at uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 112 is a magnificent psalm that really talks about the trust we have and the trust that we develop in God. Because as we learn to trust, as we know who God is, we build that relationship. And as that relationship gets tighter, we trust Him more and more. And, and I know we know that, but you know, it is so often that we get away from that because we go off on our own. Psalm 112 guides us through that life of trust. And it's closely connected to Psalm 111, and we're going to look at that, uh, where the psalmist declares the greatness and the goodness of God. And we're going to look at a couple of those verses. But so Psalm 111, read that, showing the glory and the majesty and the greatness of God, knowing who He is. And then uh, Psalm 112 saying, this is what trust is all about. And as we look at it, we're not going to look at all of Psalm 112, but we're going to look especially at three verses Two things that the psalmist, I think, declares about the person who is learning to trust God. What is in their heart? What will be in your heart? What will be in my heart? So let's, uh, let's look at it here. I'm going to read all of Psalm 112, uh, even though we're going to do just a, a small part of it, okay? So if you have it there in your Bible, Psalm 112, it says this, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in the dark, darkness, light shines for the upright, uh, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. And so he begins with this part here. He says, this is the man who fears the Lord. This is what is there. And he puts it in, in what the economy of Israel would be like, what they would understand, all that God does for one who fears God. And then he says, beginning with verse 6, surely he will never be shaken. That is the righteous man, the one who fears God. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. We'll get to that in a minute. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. And so that little section, that's what we're going to use. He said, this is what his heart is like. And then the psalmist ends it this way. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away his longing. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. That's Psalm 112. And I know I read it pretty quickly, but we want to focus there especially on one little thing. And the first thing I want to ask a question in light of this, what do people trust? Well, and, and I know we're here at church and I know, you know, the answer is supposed to, well, of course I trust God. And I, and I hope you do. I hope that is true. 
But uh, <clears throat> we tend to trust other things, don't we? I looked it up actually to see what it is that people would say they trust more than anything else. And it came out to this. First of all, they trust themselves, just their self. And I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. It's nice to have confidence, I suppose. But to put my trust in myself as opposed to God is really a bad idea. People put their trust in themselves. The other thing they said, they trust in their riches or their possessions, the things they have. And the last one was they put their trust in their jobs or the importance of their job. And those are all, I suppose, wonderful things, but, but not to put our ultimate trust in. And so we understand here when the psalmist writes here, as he gets into the end of verse 7, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And he said, this is what happens here. So first of all, the, the, the first point here is trust in the Lord. And, and the first part of that, he doesn't really say it here, but I would say don't trust in other things. Other things, you know, ourself. Our, our own arrogance or confidence, our jobs, our riches, our possessions, whatever we have, those things are not eternal. Those things are temporary. Those things can fail and often do fail. Uh, th- they will let you down if you continually trust them, put your ultimate trust in them. You need to understand if you're going to trust in the Lord, that means that you're not going to be trusting those things ultimately. Uh, Psalm 20, verse 7, just reminds us of this. The psalmist says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. He says, look, not not in the things, not in the power that we have, but we're trusting in the name of the Lord. Or in Psalm 31, 6, he says, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. That's the things that we hold on to. As for me, I trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, that's, that's our life, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And, and first of all, I would say that looking at this whole thing, don't put trust in things, just their things that are temporary. Um, I don't know if you know what a trust fall is. Trust fall is an amazing thing, and again, we did this with uh, uh, the high school and camps and everything for many, many years. A high school, or the, the uh, trust fall is very simply, you have somebody stand up on, say, a table or something up a little higher, and uh, then the rest of the team will stand there, and they will hold their hands out like that, opposite of each other. You don't hold on, and then the person with their back to them falls on their back. And the idea is trust. It's a great example of what trust is. If you've never done one, you probably ought to try one at some point. It, it, is, it is quite the feeling to say, I am putting my complete trust in these people who are going to catch me. Now, I, now I use that as an example because there are times that people are dropped. I was dropped. And some people will say, well, that explains you. I, I was teaching a group of sixth graders, believe it or not, and we were doing a trust fall. I wanted, we were talking about trust and everything. And so I got the whole class of sixth graders out there. And I said, look, I'm going I'm to go first so you know you can do it. Well, you know, sixth graders are not all that big. And I'm a pretty big guy. But I had confidence in them. And I, didn't, I wasn't up real, real high. 
and I got ready, and you know, they're sixth graders, they're terrified, and, and uh, I'm ready, and I let them know I'm falling, and down I go, and they missed me. <laughs> I hit the ground, and they thought their life was over. And I got up, and, and I said, not, not, that's all right. Look, you all can do it. And so I got them there. I gave them a little pep talk, showed them a little more what to do. And then I got up there, and I fell again. And this time, they caught me. It, you know, it's a great lesson on trust. I'm, I'm going to trust, and, and there are times that, that things fail. And, and I'm just saying that the things that we trust, if it's not God, those things at some point are likely going to fail. They're going to drop us. In trusting in the Lord, don't put your trust in things. And I would say in the passage here, and, and uh, connected to Psalm 111 especially, remember God. Don't put your trust in other things. You get that? Okay? And as you're building trust, remember God. Remember who He is. He is our Creator. He is our Redeemer. Uh, Psalm 111. I'm going to read just a a few verses here. Uh, Verse 2 says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in Him. Uh, Verse 3. I don't think I have it here on the screen. Glorious and majestic are His deeds. Um, Verse 6 says this, He has shown His people the power of His works, giving them the lands of other nations. Verse 7, The works of His hands are faithful and just, and His precepts are trustworthy. Are you getting the picture? This is who God is, the God of the universe. He is absolutely trustworthy. He is absolutely great. He is absolutely all that you can imagine that God is. Verse 9, He declares that He provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. You know, and if you're reading these two psalms together, you read Psalm 111 first, you get the idea, this is who God is. And if we're going to trust in the Lord, if I'm going to trust in the Lord, I need to remember who he is. I, I need that in my mind. How, how do I remember who he is? Well, I think there's a lot of ways that we can one way, I think, absolutely, is to take time to, to read his word, to see who he is, because he shows who he is all the way through the scriptures. You know, read through the Psalms like I did right there. He shows so many times who he is. You know, as you read through some of like Exodus and those things there, you show the, the mighty power of God. I'm reading in Galatians right now in my quiet time, and Galatians is not a book that you would think it resounds with all the glory of God, but, but there are certain parts of it there that remind me again of who God is and His greatness and, and glory. And so, remember God, one way is just read His Word. Maybe listen to other people who have seen God at work and listen to their testimony and, and know what they have said. We've just started reading the book uh, Rest by uh, Harold and Sean just to, to understand the glory of who God is. Remember who He is. Take time with that. Know that. Remember who God is. Invest in that. You know, anytime we find ourselves beginning to trust others, ultimately, or beginning to trust ourselves, ultimately, or the things that we have. 
I would suggest we need to take a step back and do a trust fall back into the Lord. Remember, the psalmist here, he says in verse, the end of verse 7, trusting in the Lord. This is the heart of the man. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very familiar portion. He says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So the very first thing here is just to trust in the Lord. Don't trust in things. Remember God. The psalmist continues on here with something else. So the first part is trust God. The second part, I would say, the, we look at the lifestyle of the one who trusts God. I don't know if you remember an old TV show. Um, it was called The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Now, I didn't watch it very much. I suppose I never watched a full episode, but I would look little bits and pieces. It was interesting. They would talk about how these celebrities would live, what was important to them and all of that. Well, this is even greater. The lifestyle of how we live if we are trusting God. And, and I think he encapsulates it, encapsulates it right here, verses 6 through 7. And beginning of verse 6, he says, Surely he will never be shaken. Okay? In verse uh, 7, the beginning part, He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast. Uh, in verse uh, 8, he says this, He has scattered abroad his gifts, uh, or I'm sorry, that's 9. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Those are the things. And, and I think there are two things here that identify what this lifestyle is like. It, and it surrounds him itself with, with the word circumstances. And we're going to look at that. He doesn't let the circumstances control him. Uh, he is one who is absolutely confident in God. When you look there, he will have no fear of bad news. Does not mean that there is no bad news. You understand that? He just has no fear of the bad news. Why? Because he is trusting God. Are there hard things that happen? Yes. But he doesn't live in fear of those because he is trusting God. He remembers who God is. I know that this takes a, a deep trust, a deep faith, understanding. I would say it's a deep theology, possibly even, that I'm going to trust God even in the middle of hard, hard circumstances. I'm going to read Psalm 111 and know who God is and know that I can trust him with that. Circumstances do not rule his life. You understand that? He's saying here that the person who is trusting God, circumstances do not rule his life. Things happen. We know they do. Stuff happens. And we don't get what we want or things go wrong. And in that, we often we tend to worry or we blame God maybe or we just give up. And I'm not belittling that. I know that there are a lot of people. I know some people right now are going through hard things. I understand. I understand those things are hard. There are people, because of the economics of the time right now, they're struggling. And it is hard. I know some people are struggling because of family issues. I know of people struggling because right now some health issues they're a little concerned with. It's not saying that there's not 
hard circumstances. What he is saying here is this person, as he trusts God, he does not let the circumstances rule him. Does that make sense to you? I mean, we live in a time right now, the circumstances of our life. I just saw something the other day, 2020, are you for real? I mean, so many things have happened, and and, and we, we can get all worried and uptight about the circumstance of, of everything, the COVID that's going on, the economic things that are going on, uh, the racial discord, and all of those things can get us really uptight. And, and I would suggest what the psalmist is saying here, don't let the circumstances rule you. There are circumstances, but your lifestyle is, don't let those rule you. Yeah, we might seek a solution, but... We really focus on what God wants to do. To remember this, that that God is good. God is still good. God loves me. God still loves you. And he has our very best interest at heart. To remember that as we look at these things, understanding who God is, my, my, my focus is on him not on circumstances, as hard as they might be. And that's not belittling the hardness. It's just saying, those don't need to rule you. Pastor Marcus said a number of times, and and I've read it in in some other places, and I think it's absolutely true, that as, as the hard things, as hard as things might be in your life, the things are coming down that you just didn't expect, when we look at them in the light of what God is doing, in the light of eternity, all that he is working for your good and his glory, that those things are exactly what you would pray for because God is using those in your life. I think that's hard. I think that's very true. So the lifestyle, the one who trusts God, is first of all one, he doesn't let circumstances rule his life. And I would suggest the other thing, he doesn't let circumstances ruin his life. You know, it doesn't, he doesn't let uh, those things come in and just, just destroy his life. And you know of people, and I know of people who have had hard things come in, and rather than look to God, they, they've gone off and either they've gotten into drugs, alcohol, uh, self-destruction, whatever it is. And, and we need to remember that the lifestyle, the one who's trusting God, does not let the circumstances ruin their life either. Remember Job? Job was a, was a guy in the Old Testament, remember, and he had so many things. He was very wealthy, he had all sorts of things, and yet disaster struck. And there were a lot of things with that, and he wound up with nothing. And at one point, in fact, his wife says, Job, why didn't you just curse God and die? But Job says, no, no, why should I do that? <laughs> when, when everything I have is from God, that's my paraphrase. And he went through some very hard times and some real doubts. But in the end, he didn't let those circumstances ruin him. God, in fact, used those things to draw him even closer to himself. Be careful with the circumstances of your life. You want to trust God? I want to trust God. And so one of the things I need to make sure that I do is that I don't let circumstances rule me. The other life, part of the lifestyle that he has here is that this person has a steadfast spirit. He says here, 
um, his heart is steadfast in verse 7. That means it's unwavering. It's not moving back and forth. It has a goal and it sets to it. You know what? I don't know if you know the name Desmond Doss, but Desmond Doss was a World War II soldier. He was a medic. He was a conscientious objector, but he wanted to serve, and so he did. He would not touch a gun. He wouldn't do any of that, but he went and served as a medic. He is the first person as a conscientious objector to receive the Medal of Honor. When he was with his, uh, uh, with his whole army, with his uh, battalion in Okinawa, uh, over a period of time, over a period of a few days, he actually rescued 75 people. It's an incredible story. You may have seen the story. It's shown in Hacksaw Ridge in the movie. It's a little bit uh, uh, gruesome. It, it's tough. But read the story. And, and he went again and again into battle. He wound up actually getting wounded five times as he's rescuing these people. It's an amazing story. It's, it's a picture of someone who is steadfast. He had a goal, and that is the direction he was headed. That is the goal of the one who focuses on his trust in the Lord. That he is not wavering. He doesn't go back and forth. He just says, my heart is set on him. I'm ready to commit to that. I'm ready to commit to trusting God. That's what he wants to do. And along with that comes, I believe, a heart of peace. He just said, God, I'm going to trust you. I just got back from vacation in Maine. Really a neat time there. And there's one place we go down. We took our kayaks and down uh, into the West Outlet. It's called a little bitty river. We were fishing. If you don't like fishing, that's okay. You would love the rest of it. We just got out on our canoes, went out there a little bit, and big, big pool of water, pond of water, anchored there. And whether you're fishing or not, just enjoy the outdoors. And the, and the sense of peace. That's what God does in our heart. And that's what we have as we trust Him. Isaiah, Isaiah 26.3 says it this way, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. A lifestyle, the one who trusts. Not moved around by the circumstances, not ruled by circumstances or ruined by circumstances, and having a steadfast heart. Doug Oldham, singer a long time ago, uh, said this in a song. He said it this way. He holds the future in the palm of his hands, and he has never failed me yet. I know he's reigning and still has control. So why should I worry or fret? I know he holds the future, and I know he holds my hand. And I know just as sure as I'm singing this song, I'm a part of his almighty plan. And he said it there in song. The trusting man knows who God is, is not swayed by circumstances, focuses on who God is. There's a biblical example of this, Hezekiah. Real quickly here, Hezekiah was a king in Judah. He was one who turned his heart to the Lord, knew the Lord as God and and worshiped him. 
he trusted him, he read the scriptures, and he followed him as much as he could. He found out about Passover. They had not been uh, uh, focusing on Passover. And so he had the people get together, and they, and they celebrated Passover. It was so good, they did it twice. And the theme that they had with the Passover was remembering that God is the God who delivers. It was a wonderful time. And then suddenly, here comes the Assyrian army with Sennacherib, who was the general who had defeated everybody in their midst. And as they get to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was not really large. It was just in the way. And Sennacherib sends his uh, emissaries and he says, there's nothing you can do, Hezekiah. You just as well turn everything over. He says this, and no one is able to stand in our way. No God is able to deliver you. Well, Hezekiah had just been learning about the God who delivers. And he chose to trust him. He took that letter, laid it before the Lord, and prayed and said, God, I'm trusting you. We are trusting you. And the end result of the whole thing, the Assyrian army was miraculously defeated. Sennacherib went back to his, uh, own, uh, his own palace and was assassinated by his sons as he was worshiping his gods in his temple. And Hezekiah understood that God is the great deliverer. You see, that, that's what the heart of trust does. It just, what God has given and what God has shown himself to be. And we say, I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to believe that. And I'm not going to believe the circumstances around me. Building trust takes time. Building trust and relationship means I'm taking time to know the person. That's what we do with God. So what does it mean for you to trust the Lord? Well, don't trust things, first of all. Not ultimately. Don't trust those. They're going to let you down. Remember God. And then remember, circumstances are part of His work in your life. They don't have to rule you. They don't have to ruin you. You can remain steadfast with a deep sense of peace because of who God is. I know that he has my best interests at heart. I know that he is working for me because he is a good God and a loving God. And I read that in the scriptures. So how is your trust life? You know, is life kicking the stuffing out of you right now? And it might be. Take time to begin to develop this trust. Is life going on so good right now you just can't understand what's going on? It's still time. To trust. How do you do that? How do you develop that trust? I already said, read his word, talk to other people that know him, embrace him, hear what he is doing so that you know that he is absolutely trustworthy. Because he says here in Psalm 112, verse 7, his heart will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And when we do that, we sing sort of like Doug Oldham. Why should I worry or fret? I know he holds the future, and I know he holds my hand. And I know just as sure as I'm singing this song, I'm a part of his almighty plan. You can trust God.
I can trust God because of who he is. Father, we want to take this time before you. We do trust you because of who you are. God, there are hard things going on in our lives right now, in our country, in our world. But God, you are far above them. And I pray that right now, with whatever is facing us in our life, what we're thinking about right now, is that we turn our hearts once again to trust you deeply because we, because we know that you are good. We know that you are at work on our behalf. Help us, God, to trust you. In Christ's name, amen. Seek in the power of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, and trust him with your whole heart.